Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There is a passage that I want us to look at from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 10, beginning at verse 13, reading through verse 16. I will be reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. If you found the place, say, Amen. It reads, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless his word. I want to preach today from this text and its larger context in the gospel of Mark, particularly chapter 10. And the thought is a parent's prayer safe in his arms. My thoughts have moved along many corridors uh, this week as I have prayed about what to share. I think one of the best definitions I've heard about fatherhood, what it means, it is a father is someone who carries photographs in their wallet where money used to be. We learn as much from our children as they learn from us. To learn from our children, they can become in unique ways our teachers. And I remember reading a story in a magazine called Christian Clippings, and and it's about a man, a father named Thomas Anderson, and his little boy ran in one day to the room, and and he was excited, little five-year-old boy. He said, Daddy, Daddy! There's a lion in the basement. There's a lion in the basement. And his father looked at him. He said, look, Johnny, you know there's no lion in the basement, and I know there's no lion in the basement. He said to little Johnny, he said, just to show you there's no lion in the basement, I'm going to go down empty-handed. And then the article said, Thomas Anderson would have been 39 years old, like Stacey. We can learn from our children, can't we? 
But as a child of God, as we look at this text, I, I can't think of anything more moving or more momentous or more magnificent as a parent to believe and to know that my child or my grandchild is safe in his arms. I, I want to do what I can to protect them and to encourage them and to provide. At the end of the day, what, what's going to encourage me and I pray will encourage every father here and every mother here is that we know in our hearts that our child is safe in his arms. And that's how this text ends. I'm going to move through it, the carrots and the corridors of it. But it ends with these children being blessed by God and being saved. In his arms. And when I looked at the text, some things emerged, actually five Ps that I want to deal with, and then I'll be through. A parent's prayer safe in his arms. There is the precedent in the passage, and I could spend a whole sermon dealing with this. If we read too quickly, we miss this. We miss the context. We miss the precedent or the prerequisite. That's why I said to you, read all of chapter 10 because this passage occurs in the context of Jesus' teaching about marriage. It's not estranged or isolated or detached sitting on some kind of textual island all by itself. But it occurs in the context of Jesus' teaching about marriage. When we have a discussion about children, this is the context in which the discussion ought to take place. First marriage, because Jesus has just finished teaching about marriage. First marriage and then children. That's God's order. That may not be man's order, but that's God's order. Much too often today, the order is revoked or reversed. And much too often, our discussions about children are caring outside of the context of this precedent, which is marriage. This is because of the alarming divorce rate in our culture, in our society, even among Christian couples, and because of the escalating incidence of out-of-wedlock births. So often, the discussion is occurring outside of marriage. And that's not the way God intended it. He intended for children to grow up in the security and the sanctity of marriage. And even as I say that, because we don't live in a perfect world, he can work it out. Because some mothers and some fathers have found themselves in other predicaments. And he's a God of grace and mercy. He can work it out, but we need to know what the design is. Got young kids... Young girls looking at little babies like they're toys. And little boys running around thinking it's, it's masculine. It's some, it's some proof of that masculinity as it to, has to do with how many children they can sire. The precedent for this parent's prayer and this safe in his arms business is marriage. Is marriage. There is the precedent and there is the priority in this text, too. I'm not creating it. I'm not making it up. It says they brought their children. Say brought. It said they brought 
They brought their children, and the tense in the original implies that there was repetitive action. This is no knee-jerk, casual, cavalier response. It was an intentional process of bringing their children on a regular basis. There was repetitive action. There was persistence, and, and by inference, insistence. I remember growing up as a child, the oldest of my mother's nine children, and going to church was not a multiple choice exam. You woke up on Sunday morning, and listen, you better act like you had Jesus on your mind. Because otherwise, the consequences would have been patently painful and cripplingly costly. See, the way I grew up, it's called spirituality by intimidation. <laughs> I mean, we've got to make some choices. If, if you're a child of God and you really believe that Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to you, if you really believe that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you really believe that you trust in the Lord and lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That ought to reflect in your parenting. Ought to reflect in the priorities that we communicate to our children. I'm not making it up. It says they brought in many commentaries somehow, and I don't know how anyone get this from the text, there are some suggestion that it was the mothers. There's no textual basis for that point of view. It's they, the parents, vote. And, and dads, this is where you and I have to step up. Not that I did not know it already, but I was at a function a couple of days ago and learned anew that children whose fathers are not involved in their lives are at risk. I heard these statistics, five times they are more likely to commit suicide. 32 times more likely to run away. 20 times more likely to have behavioral disorders. 14 times more likely, if they're boys, to commit rape. Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances. 20 times more likely to end up in prison. And if they're young ladies, 20 times more likely to get pregnant if the daddy is a no-show. They brought their children to Jesus. Fathers, we're called to be the priestly heads of our homes. We're called to be the Joshua's who say to Israel, you can do what you want to do, but it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. They brought their children to the Lord. So there is a priority here. I hope you see it. There's a precedent, but there's also the problem in the text. Not just the precedent, not just the priority, but the problem. Jesus expresses extreme displeasure. In fact, in the original, there is anger and indignation at the disciples for forbidding, preventing, Prohibiting these parents.
parents, these fathers and mothers from bringing their children to him. Why? Because they have become part of the problem and not the solution. It says in the text, he says, he rebuked those disciples. He rebuked them because these disciples have become disablers. You know, when I read this text, it was, it was gripping for me, this part of the text, because it reminded me anew that our churches have a solemn responsibility to partner with parents who are committed to bringing their children to the Lord. And we can help them when through creative programming and thinking outside the box, children get up on Sunday morning and they're waiting for the parents to get ready to go to church. I'm not so sure the intimidation thing works now. And we don't really want them to be here just because we say so anyhow. At the end of the day, we want them to love Jesus because they love Jesus. So often we are the disablers. We want our children to love Jesus. To be safe in his arms as, as we are. Sometimes we're disablers because our belief does not match our behavior. Our kids are not stupid. They're very intelligent. And they know when our behavior isn't lining up with our belief. You know the story in the Bible about Mephibosheth, who was a son of Jonathan and a grandson of Saul. And the Bible says that he was crippled in both legs because he was dropped as a little boy. And we have some young people who are spiritually crippled because they've been dropped. They've seen some ugliness. In the name of Jesus. And they've been dropped. And why would they want to be a part of it? Never will forget hearing Dr. E.V. Hill preach a message at a national conference. The late Dr. Hill who pastored in Los Angeles, California for over 40 years. Dr. Hill told about being in an evangelistic crusade in Germany. He said while he was there, he had the opportunity to witness to a German woman about her soul's salvation. Says she greeted his words with anger and antagonism. And he told us why. He said she said to him, anger seemingly to bristle from her. She said, my father was a member of the German army and the SS Guard. And he was involved in atrocities against Jewish people. He'd get up every Sunday morning and put on his suit and go to church. And she said to Dr. Hill, he said in her words were kind of cruel, but he got the message. She said, if that's what Christianity is about, to hell with it. And we have young people who've been dropped because they see us at places. Come on, somebody. They see us at places we ought not be. They see us doing things we should not do. They hear us saying things. Yeah. 
that we should not say. So often we become the problem. The disciples were disablers and Jesus rebuked them. There is the pattern. Not just the precedent, not just the priority, not just the problem, but the pattern. Jesus reminds the disciples that we can learn as much from children as they can learn from us. For they are our benefactors. They are our reminders of what it means to be a child of God. In this text, Jesus applauds little children. He says, whoever receives the kingdom must receive it as a little child. He applauds, I believe, a child's simplicity, a child's dependence, a child's sense of wonder, gratitude, and trustfulness. When the prophet Isaiah gave us this grand vision of the messianic kingdom, listen to the description. He says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion and fatling together and a little child shall lead them. We can learn as much from them as they can learn from us. And finally, my brothers and sisters, there's the prize. Our text ends with Jesus taking the children up in his arms. He rebuked the disciples and he brought the children to him. When I read this text, this is not a mass hug. I get the sense when he, he does this, he picks them up one by one and he blesses them. That's what he does with us. That's why I get excited when I read this text. It's not a mass approach, although he died for the sins of the whole world. He woke me up this morning. I get personal attention. Any parent here knows this truth, understands that when you have more than one child in the home, a cookie-cutter approach won't work. Every child is different. And somehow, without appearing to show favoritism, you've got to give everybody a little time. Well, this morning, Jesus gave me some time. Jesus, he gave me some time. He just stopped by my place. Now, I want you to know as I was preparing this sermon, I started out, it was a parent's prayer and saved in his arms. But I didn't end up there because somewhere along the way, it quit being about me as a parent. And it quit being about me as a grandparent. But somewhere along the way, I don't know when it happened in the sermon preparation or where it took place. Somewhere early this morning, I quit being the daddy. I quit being the grandfather. And I became the little child in Jesus' arms. Is there anybody here? That's in Jesus' arms today. Do I have somebody? When I thought about that, you know, around 5 o'clock, I went on the web. And I started 
because of the YouTube presentation of Vicky Wine and singing safe in his arms. And I turned it on. That's just a show enough can sing safe in his arms. And early this morning I heard her say, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in the meadow's grass and he leads me beside the quiet streams. I heard Vicky singing that song. I'm safe. Y'all know why I'm safe? Because I'm saved and I'm safe. I'm saved and I'm safe. I'm saved and I'm safe. He woke me up early this morning. I'm safe because the Lord is my shepherd. I'm safe. In his arms. In his arms. John Ruskin said, what man needs to do is not so much to graduate as the backslide. Not to go forward in new cleverness, but to backslide in the simplicity of childhood. I'm a confessing backslider because I can only hold my kids in my arms and my grandbabies in my arms because Jesus is holding me. In his arms. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.